Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, that's the day Jesus rose from the dead, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and put out your hand, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you... Uh, that you wrote, that had this written down for us. We thank you that you preserved it for us. We thank you that Jesus did and said these things so long ago. We pray now that as we reflect on your word together, that you would sink it deep into our hearts, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, and change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I didn't, I didn't bring my mystery bag. I, didn't, I don't have props. I, couldn't, I told the kids that, uh, discipleship hour this morning. I can't find my mystery bag. So I don't have any, any, any tangible things to hold. But if I did, I would have a pair of ears. Not just any ears, though. I would have Mickey Mouse ears. So you can imagine the Mickey Mouse ears, right? Everybody knows what the Mickey Mouse ears are. And the Mickey Mouse ears stand for Disney World, right? And what is Disney? Disney calls itself, and many other people call itself, call it the happiest place on earth. You might even say it's a little piece of heaven on earth. And it's really the atmosphere that they work to, I mean, how many people have been to Disney World? So, everybody, so most people have been, if you haven't been, you, you shouldn't, I may criticize Disney World later, but you should, you should go, it's a great place. You, it's nothing wrong with going to Disney World. But it's amazing, the thing that amazes, I've only been to the big Disney World in Florida once, but the thing that is so amazing is how freakishly perfect everything is like everything and they go to such great lengths to make everything perfect there's no gum on the ground 
right? Because there's people always making sure that there's no gum on the ground. But have you ever noticed that you never see the cast members, the costume characters? They're never wandering around. They're only ever in their places. Why? Because they move about in underground tunnels so that you won't see them. So everything is perfect. And you walk into it, and it is the, it is the magic kingdom. Everything is perfect. We love that. We want that. We strive for that. So what does that have to do with John chapter 20? Like I said, you can look at this and kind of wonder, what is going on here? Like, why are we telling these stories? Like, okay, Thomas doubted. He's doubting Thomas. Poor guy, he gets a bad rap. Like, everybody had to see Jesus first. And like, what, what is this business in verse 23 about if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Like, that's a weird statement. So what's going on here? And if you step back and look and say, what's the big picture? What Jesus is saying is throughout the whole book of John, Jesus has been saying that he brought heaven to earth. We've said that over and over again throughout the book of John. Jesus has come from the Father, full of truth and grace, that we may know God. He's brought the power of heaven to earth. He's brought the life of heaven to earth. He's brought heaven to earth. But what he's telling us in John chapter 20 is that he is leaving heaven on earth. That Jesus is going back to the Father, but he is actually leaving heaven on earth. And more shockingly, the heaven on earth that Jesus is leaving is not found at Disney World. It is not a place of perfection. But the shocking, amazing news of John chapter 20 is that Jesus has left heaven on earth right here. If you look around in this small gathering, looking one at another, Jesus has said he has left heaven on earth with his people, in his church, the body of believers gathered together. And so many things of what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 20 is that he has left heaven on earth in his people. He's left heaven on earth for us. That's what he's talking about with the forgiveness of sins. That's what he's saying with, the breathing, with breathing out and saying they receive the Holy Spirit. How has Jesus left heaven on earth? Through the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Every Sunday when we open in prayer and we pray and we praise the Holy Spirit for giving us the benefits of Christ's work on our behalf, for being the God who remains among us. That's what we're saying, that heaven has remained on earth. That even as Jesus has left, even those we are left now, like it says in verse 31, or, uh, verse 29, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking about all of us who have not gotten to see Jesus face to face. But Jesus has left something for us because we need to see just as much as Thomas did, just as much as all the disciples did, because we are so caught up in our doubt, in our disbelief, in our fear, in our trying to find a perfection in human things like Disney, um, thinking that's where it all is. We're so caught up in those things, but Jesus says, no, I have left you. I am leaving you heaven on earth. It might not look exactly what you're expecting, but I have left it for you. So we, what are we supposed to do? He says it, verse 31. Well, this is an easy one. Like, what's the main thing we're supposed to do? Verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That we can embrace and experience the life of heaven on earth by believing in the name of Jesus, by seeing who he is, by seeing what he has left for us. 
So that's the main idea. If Jesus leaves heaven on earth, we believe, we see, we embrace that. What are, there's three aspects here of that heaven on earth that he points out specifically. First, that Jesus leaves us forgiveness. Jesus leaves us peace. And Jesus leaves us life. Forgiveness, peace, and life. And I keep, I keep having trouble with this. As I said, Jesus leaves heaven, leaves forgiveness. Like, leaves them as a good thing here. He's leaving them for us. Not, not, not like leaving them alone, right? So he gives us forgiveness. He gives us peace. He gives us life. You could say it that way. But they're on earth. They're amongst his people. First, the forgiveness. Now, it, it catches you. It catches you in verse 23 because it seems surprising. We haven't really talked about sin or forgiveness, obviously, in this passage. And then it just kind of comes out there. Verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And we've got, we've got two problems here. In the text, we've got the problem like, wait, wait, where did sin and forgiveness come from? And then we've got like the bigger question of like, Jesus, did you just say, like, what? Did you just say that the disciples have power to forgive sins? Like, we know from other places in the gospel and just from human nature, that's God alone. Like, what are you saying here, Jesus? So, first, why, how does this come up? The issue of sin is always, is always the issue. And if you look carefully at this passage, you'll see the disciples are not in the right place. What should the disciples... They've been told by Mary Magdalene that Jesus has risen from the dead. They should be going out to tell everybody. They should be going out to spread the word. But instead, they're in a room together with the doors locked. Why? For fear of the Jews. What did Jesus specifically said to them earlier before he was crucified? Do not be afraid. What are they doing here? Locking the doors because they are afraid. The disciples, even though they have been told that Jesus has risen from the dead, even though Peter and John have seen themselves the empty tomb, Mary has seen Jesus himself, they're still stuck. They're stuck in a locked room. With, for fear, what Jesus told them not to do. So when Jesus comes and stands among them and says, peace be with you, he is expressing his forgiveness of them. He is saying, yes, you are in the wrong place, and I am coming to you anyway. And then, and then, <laughs> verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, they just went back and did the same thing. And again, Jesus comes and does the same thing and says, peace be with you. Thomas had emphatically expressed his doubt. Jesus says, come on, Thomas, come and see. This whole story is Jesus expressing forgiveness. He is forgiving his disciples for their lack of faith, for their lack of belief, for their lack of action. And then he leaves it for them to forgive to others. What is Jesus saying here? He's not... It, it's not as crazy-ish as it sounds as like somebody has special powers to do this, that they are themselves gods. But since Jesus has left the life of heaven on earth, he breathed the Holy Spirit to them. So as the, the, the apostles here represent the church as a whole of God's people, and as the church as a whole, as all of us together declare the good news of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, your sins really are forgiven. When we come and confess our sins every, every Sunday morning and then declare the words of Scripture and declare that your sins are forgiven, it means something. It means something real. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is among us. Because Jesus left the Holy Spirit here 
for the forgiveness of sins to really be transacted. Where does it come from? It comes from the sacrifice of Jesus. It's founded on the sacrifice of Jesus. There is no forgiveness of sins without his death on the cross. But how does that work itself out in our lives? It works it out through the Holy Spirit, working through his people to express that in tangible ways, that we may know and feel that our sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit is here among us on Sunday mornings, saying your sins are not held against you any longer. It is an amazing and beautiful thing. What about if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld? This is not talking about capricious disciples being like, I don't feel like forgiving you, so tough cookies for you. But this is saying really and truly that if you do not enter into the way, that, the means that God has appointed, if you do not seek forgiveness as it is declared in the good news, as it is declared by his people, there is no other way to have your sins forgiven. The only way for your sins to be forgiven is to embrace the teaching of Jesus, to put your faith in him, to seek that in the community of his people. That is where forgiveness is found. So Jesus leaves us forgiveness. What does this mean for us? I mean, this is, this is just an amazing thing. But it reminds us that Jesus would put this here and highlight it, that sin and forgiveness are, in fact, the central dynamic for our lives. We get caught up in so many other things about seeking wealth, seeking friendship, seeking power, seeking happiness in ourselves, trying to find peace. And all these things are good, but our central problem over and over throughout the Bible is that we have done evil. We have done wrong. We have hurt people, and other people have hurt us. And between us hurting people and other people hurting us, that's sin. And that is the problem in everything. All of our relational problems, all of our, all of our world problems, everything comes back to that issue of sin. And so if we do not deal honestly with the issue of sin, we can go nowhere. We cannot experience the life of heaven that Jesus has left for us on earth unless we acknowledge the reality of sin. And we come back to that and say, wow, I have done wrong, but I have forgiveness because Jesus has left it for me. And I can come and be reminded of that week in, week out. I can be reminded of it in worship on Sunday mornings. I can be reminded of it in life, in the community of God's people as we express that forgiveness tangibly to one another through our actions. So we say, yes, you have hurt me, but I'm not giving up on you. I'm coming back to you. I'm forgiving you. We can continue to walk forward together. I'm not going to deny that it hurt. I'm not going to pretend that it didn't. But I'm going to admit that I'm going to give you the forgiveness that Jesus has given me. So we live in community together, seeking forgiveness from God first, expressed through one another, and then forgiving one another as we've been hurt by each other. Jesus leaves us forgiveness. Second thing Jesus leaves us, he leaves us peace. He says that's, that's his main message. He comes in, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He said it before, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. In this world you will have trouble, but in me you will have peace. Don't be afraid. It's all about peace. What do we need in the midst of, of, of turbulent times, of all kinds of problems in this world? We need to know that peace can be found that there is peace in Jesus. But the, the, the great truth here as Jesus is leaving heaven on earth in the community of his people, in his church, is that peace is not found internally in isolation. 
This is not about introverts versus extroverts and how much you like people. That's a whole, whole different discussion. But in the bigger picture, I used to have this idea that I just needed to go and find things for myself. That the, and it's not just me. This is like throughout all of church history. This is like the monks going off in the caves. Where do we find true peace? We find true peace in isolation, in individual communion with God. And there is a place and time for our individual communion with God. But ultimately, Jesus is telling here, us here that the peace is found in the community of the disciples, in the community of the church. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to spend all your waking moments with other people. That's just overwhelming, exhausting. But we all need people to walk through life with. The peace comes from knowing that when we mess up, somebody else is going to be there for us. That when we mess up, we are not going to get dumped over the side. We are not going to be left behind. I love the idea that the church is still here. Uh, even, when, even when people may leave, people may come, people may do whatever. There's a great, there's a great story from a pastor in D.C. He, uh, his name is Mark Devers, the pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist. Uh, but he was giving some lectures at my seminary, at Covenant Seminary. And this one thing he said stuck with me. He's in D.C. It was a Q&A time. People were like, hey, do you have like important people at your church? He's like, not really. We don't really have a lot of important people. They go to other churches. Uh, we have like the interns making copies to the glory of God. And uh, so it was kind of funny. But he said, he said, one time we did have a senator came for a while. And the senator was like, you know, pastor, I really like your church because nobody treats me like I'm anything special here. And, and Deaver's saying to us, he's like, and I thought, well, senator, you're really not that special. Um, he said, so I think I'd like to become a, I think I'd like to become a member of your church. And Deaver says, okay, that's fine. We have our membership class. You know, you go through it. They have a big membership class there. It's like 12 weeks. And you go through a 12-week class, and then you, you can sign the covenant, become a member. And the senator's like, I, I can't do that. Like, I got to go home. I got to campaign. I got to, you know, and, and Deaver's like, all right, we'll still be here when you get back. Like, that's, but that's the church. It's still there. People may be circling around this and that, whether in their own challenges, in their own problems, in their own sin, in their own self-importance, whatever it may be, the church is still here every Sunday. Nothing stops it. And you leave, you hurt people, you want to come back and say, you know what? We forgive you. We welcome you back. There is no permanent removal from the family of God. Everybody who wants to come back into the family will receive the forgiveness of Jesus as they seek it. That gives you peace. That gives you assurance that nothing you do can ultimately remove you from God. Nothing you do can ultimately remove you from the community of God's people. You may feel shame at what you have done or what you have failed to do. You may feel guilt from those things. But those aren't coming from Jesus. And they're not, at its best, of course, we all know the church is flawed and messed up in many ways, but at its best, they're not coming from his church either. He will welcome you back. His people will welcome you back into the fold. Jesus leaves peace. He leaves forgiveness. He leaves peace. Finally, Jesus leaves life. This is what it says at the end. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of, this, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Later on, John will say it would fill the whole world. Uh, to write down all the books that would to record all the things. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus leaves life. What do we want? We want life. What is Disney offering? Disney is offering a 
a picture of some kind of life. But it's not real life. It's, it's not so you can't stay at Disneyland forever, right? You go there for a few days, oh, that was fun. Real life does not feel like that. But real life with Jesus in his community, in his church, the life of heaven that he has left, sees all the imperfections, sees all the hardships, and says, in the midst of this, we can still live. We can put up with one another. We can forgive one another. We can find joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. We can acknowledge the reality of pain and suffering, whether of circumstances that have happened to us, other things that people have done, medical problems, even to the point of death. We see all these things and we can face them with reality and confidence because Jesus leaves us life. When we embrace the forgiveness and the peace that he has left us, we believe that all those things come only through Jesus, through faith in him, growing in relationship with him in community with one another. So he has left these things to his church, to his people. And then we experience life, true and real life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your life. May we experience more and more each day the heaven that you have left for us in the community of your people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.